Hello and welcome back to episode 13 of the Grunge Bible Podcast. We have made it to a baker's dozen. My name is Chris Salona. I am once again joined by Ethan Shalloway. Ethan, happy episode 13. How are you today? Lucky number 13. Uh, Chris, I'm doing really well. My energy levels are high in the middle of the week, which I know we've been lacking the last few episodes. So I'm proud to announce that we have some some energy behind us. So I don't know. I just feel really good. How do you feel today? Yeah, this is um, this is big news because we were talking about this before we started to record. And for the last like three or four episodes, when we were sitting down to record, I was just like, I am so tired. But today <laughs> I feel great. It was probably the large iced coffee that I had earlier today. Um, oh, either that, that so good. Or the fact that we're talking about something, you know, a topic today that I think we both have a lot of thoughts about. But yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty jazzed up. I'm excited. That's great. That's great. I know that um, I know you got back into your powerlifting and your lifting, so you're probably feeling a little stronger than oh, yeah. when you've been running running all those miles, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the duality of man, as they say. There's something you got the, about that. Yeah, man. It's And it's always exciting to kind of get back to something like that and just getting the energy going. I've been listening to a lot of Soundgarden in the weight room uh, as nice. uh, as you do, so we're, we're excited about that. Sweet. So what do we have on on uh, on deck for today? Yeah, um, today we're going to discuss Into the Wild, the movie, the story, and Eddie Vedder's soundtrack. And this is one, um, if you're a Pearl Jam fan, undoubtedly you know of the soundtrack. Um, you know all of the songs off of it, or at least you've heard them. Uh, and if you know the soundtrack, you've probably, you know, maybe read the book or, or watched the movie at least. And, and this is one I think that, you know, a lot of people have opinions on and it's always an interesting one to discuss, you know, about getting away from the material world and, you know, seeking out what it means, you know, on a root cause to be a human and to be alive and, and, and how to live to the fullest potential. And, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of talk about this one. I know, Ethan, we go back a ways with this movie in terms of, you know, watching it and, and discussing our thoughts and everything. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this one today. Yeah, it's going to be jam-packed. I think it's going to be very um, philosophic. So uh, we enjoy talking about topics like these, which I think a lot of people do that are uh, are deeply connected to music. I think there's a lot of philosophy in that. So it'll be pretty cool to... Um, discuss some of the um, intertwinings of, or however you want to say, inter, intertwined um, themes and whatnot between our lives and stories and music. So, yeah, it's going to be great. Absolutely. So, as always, uh, the Mighty Five are making this episode possible. The Grunge Bible Five. Uh, you guys Bible have been five. with us for a while. The Grunge Bible Five, Sonny Mashburn, Victor Schaefer, Shannon Gorgon, Alexis Shannon, and release uh you guys know their names well by now uh once again thank you to all five of you for making this podcast possible without you we would not be able to to be sitting here talking about into the wild eddie vetter and the story of chris mccandless otherwise known as alexander supertramp yeah that's amazing so i i think there's uh no delay we get right into it um so this movie came out in 2007 the the book was written in what was it 90 1996 it was written 96. by John Krakauer which uh, yes. he's a uh, I don't know if you read um in I think it was middle school or high school but he has a book called Into Thin Air which I think was um in a lot of high school curriculums or middle school curriculums I can't remember but I do remember reading that he was a uh, uh it was about in a uh, Mount Everest expedition that he went on so he's uh 
he's had the tendency of writing, you know, about these different kinds of topics about, you know, the wilderness and exploration. And he wrote this, uh, this book in 1996 about Chris McCandless. Yeah. So I, I heard an interview with, um, crack hour that he went and visited and so did Sean Penn and, um, Eddie Vedder that they obviously were in Alaska in North Dakota and the different Northwest territories that they went to, or that, um, McCandless went to and they went and saw the um, kind of the path that he went. So I think that's really um, quite cool. They obviously had a really good understanding and got permission before they wrote the book and then got permission from the family before they, um, Sean Penn took on the, the task of making it into a film, which I think is really cool to take a story, a real life story, um, a tragic one, also filled with expedition and, and adventure, exploration, all that. And turn it into a story, um, a novel that is, and then take it into the motion picture um, that we can all, you know, take that in and process it. And it's a really cool way to keep that, those, keep legends alive in a way. And these awesome historic stories, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And it's really something that can be challenging uh, when you're taking a historical story with all of its context, especially something like this that can be equal parts tragic and, you know, in some ways, you know, it could be controversial how you may portray it. And I do remember sh- reading that, you know, Sean Penn had read this book, you know, in the in the in the 90s after it had come out. And, uh, you know, once he, he his career progressed to the point that he could direct and and produce and everything like that, you know, it was a story that he wanted to circle back around to. But in terms of the soundtrack, um, Eddie Vedder and Sean Penn's relationship actually goes back to the mid 90s. So Sean Penn starred in a movie in 1995 called Dead Man Walking. And Eddie Vedder submitted a song uh, for that motion picture called Dead Man, which ended up, I think, appearing on Lost Dogs, uh, the 2003 compilation album. So uh, that song was actually not included in that movie in 95. They actually used a Bruce Springsteen song called Dead Man Walking uh, in lieu of Eddie Vedder's um, version of Dead Man. But their relationship just kind of developed from there. And, um, you know, once once this movie came came into production in 2005, 2006, um, Sean Penn pretty much handpicked Eddie Vedder, um, you know, to do the soundtrack here. And it was Eddie Vedder's first official release as a solo artist. Uh, Ukulele songs came a couple of years later. But I mean, you're talking about these songs and just how they relate to the story of Chris McCandless. And uh, I guess, you know, just a brief background, if if you're not familiar, uh, Chris McCandless, he was uh, he was about our age. He was he was just a normal, um, normal college kid at the time who you know, just felt that there was more out there. And, um, you know, the, the short version of the very long story is, you know, he decided to, you know, burn most of his identification cards head West. And his goal was to, you know, move to Alaska and live off the land up North and, and, and over West. And I think he was probably reading a lot of, you know, the, the Henry David Thoreau's and the Jack Kerouac's and, you know, all of the transcendental, uh, you know, adventurous, you know, type material but there is something to be said about that and and the need for exploration and you know i think at one point or another everybody kind of feels that you know there should be more out there and you know we we kind of owe it to ourselves to get back to our roots a little bit and you know leave the material world or just the you know financial world whatever it may be you know is like is that who we're supposed to be and you know chris decided that you know it wasn't and he decided to go west where you know, obviously and, and tragically, you know, he didn't make it when he went out to Alaska. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was, 
instead of there's an interview with um, Penn and Vetter, and they were talking about um, their interactions and kind of understanding of why he wanted to go out there. And it was, I think it was a lot to do with literature. And in the beginning of the movie, they have, they have a quote come up on a, a little poem by um, an English poet, George uh, Lord Byron. And there's pretty cool four, uh, five lines. So I'll just, I'll read it. And it says, uh, there is a pleasure in the pathless woods. There is a rapture on the lonely shore. There's a society where none intrudes by the deep sea and music in its roar. I love not man the less, but nature more. And yeah, I, 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 I really do like that, um, that little stanza. And I think that is, is very good. And I find myself, so the first time that we watched this um, was probably about six years ago or five years ago now. And we were, I was 21 years old, I believe, or maybe 20. And uh, you were um, a couple years younger. 18, yeah. And it was, and it was actually right after a moment in our lives where we had both left our respected universities. I had just traveled um, to Finland and back to Kentucky. So in the span of a year, I was in three different um, state, like you know, locations, and you were also in the same. So we were in a very, and we were in our, you know, our our mid twenties, our beginning of our our twenties. And it is, was the exact time the Grunge Bible started. So there was a whole lot going on with just music yeah. and I think art as well. You know, so it obviously didn't take us long to, you know, find this film and find the story. And, you know, I think we really related at the time to that feeling of just trying to seek more or just seek something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I, I hope that the viewers that are that are listening have have viewed the film. If you haven't, it's a very, it's on Netflix. It's a very good watch. It's about two and a half hours long. So it's a little bit, Buckle but, in. but it's very, it's very cinematic and, you know, it, it has, um, the nice part is like it's all Eddie Vedder's soundtrack, and and I remember they were um, like the director Penn was talking about how he wanted a single interior voice, and he wanted Vedder to be um, like the voice for McCandless throughout the whole thing. So you kind of within him, and it wouldn't be kind of bouncing around. So it was, it was obviously very intentional, and um, you know, beautiful how it ended up. So. Um, yeah, and you can tell that, you know, Eddie really did his homework when it comes to the soundtrack. I mean, just even, you know, that poem that you referenced earlier, and and I know there's a there's a quote from one of Chris McCandless's journals where something to the effect of, you know, there's no greater use of your life than to each day, you know, seek a new a new sun, to seek a new adventure, you know, and to be a new person every single day. And I mean, you just think of the soundtrack, especially, you know, I think when you think of the soundtrack, pretty the first half of it pretty much mirrors the first half of the movie where I, you know, I get a lot of feeling of it's like this triumphant traveling and this, you know, excursion, you know, to, to new areas and to, you know, renew your human spirit. And it really does a great job of following the story as, you know, he's this, you know, enlightened individual going out to really find out who he is and what the world is, you know, and as things progress and, you know, he falls on hard times if he's, he's struggling eventually. And, you know, when the weather hits, you know, the, the soundtrack really does a great job of mirroring that. And I think, Exactly like what you said, capturing the spirit of everything that's going on, you know, of that exploration yeah. and of, of, you know, it's funny, uncertainty, depending on your frame of mind and depending on why you were pushed into that uncertainty, it can, it can, it can have a lot of different feelings for you. So, for example, I think that's very evident in this movie where, you know, that uncertainty is so exciting at the beginning of the film and at the beginning of the soundtrack where it's like, hey, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know where I'm going to lay my head. 
I don't know how I'm going to eat, but that's, that's so mm -hmm. exciting. I don't know who I'm going to meet or if I'm going to meet anyone or if I'm not going to meet anyone at all. Um, and you know, as it, as it moves on, you know, uncertainty can become a very scary thing. And I think the soundtrack does such a great job. I mean, you, you think about, you know, songs like, you know, far behind is so triumphant. And then, you know, a song like the wolf, even though there's no lyrics, it's just, you know, that feeling of uncertainty, it's the same same concept, but the feelings that are communicated are so different. Yeah, and, and I, I agree. The beginning, it's like, you know, if it starts off very, yeah, like um, exciting, you know, and, and I'm, like he's leaving what seems to be, um, you know, very difficult parents for him to live with, and he has the the new the new voyage and. Um, there's some uh, words come up on the screen often throughout the movie of stuff that he's written. And it says, my days were more exciting when I was penniless. And I think that that brings you into the movie. And especially for us at the time, we were, we definitely reflected um, or um, we felt, yeah, connected to it. Um, and then, it, you know, it changes throughout and, you know, just, you know, I think one of, one of the questions I had for you, Chris, do you think in the beginning that, do you think that one of the reasons that he went into the wild was, do you think that he was uh, escaping, say, misery of, like, the society that he lived in? He was escaping misery, or he was just searching for happiness? Do you think that there was, where would you draw the line? Because we've talked about, like, the difference in mindset. Was he leaving the bad, or was he just trying to enter the good, in a way? I would say a lot of times, you don't go and search out the good unless you're aware of the fact that whatever you're in may be bad. So I think it was just everything coming to a head, and I think for a lot of people, you know, this is a very, very common theme of people of, you know, teenage years or maybe young adulthood of, you know, wanting to leave, you know, wherever you are and wanting to, um, you know, go out and experience something else. I mean, the old adage, like everyone hates their hometown. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that, that a lot of people, you know, want to experience that, that difference. And I think with him, it was just that perfect storm of, you know, he's reading different literature. He's, you know, um, you know, feeding his mind with these different things that are causing him to think about things in a little bit of a different way. And I think that's what really pushes him out. It's like, once you're conscious of the fact that, hey, there might be something else out there, or, hey, I'm reading the works of these people who went to go search for something else out there, you know, that that could be the last kick out the door to, to make you search for that, you know, something else that is good out there. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, it's, you know, it's a certainly, certainly a nuanced question. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think I agree. I agree with your saying with what you're saying, and I think that there's a lot of people that want more than what they they have. So I, I want to say they're not happy where they are, but the idea of searching, of going out and searching for new, I'm sure that was um, the driving force. I mean, I just think that he was a young and just a misunderstood, maybe misunderstood his, the parental situation and stuff. And uh, like all the advice given, he had a, he had a really a great deal of arrogance that you saw throughout the movie, and that became very frustrating um, at times. Like I mean, the end of the movie is is extremely. I mean, I mean, I guess we've already given given some of it away, but I mean, throughout the throughout the journey, he meets like five different, um, you know, five or six different scenes of people, and there's a people of all different ages and sizes and and lifestyles. And the last one is an older man that, um, tries to adopt Ron him and, and, and Ron France and tries to give him his name. And, and 
it was it's such a sad moment where he kind of denies him and, and doesn't like does not want the relationships that life has to offer the way that people the way that I kind of um, that the, the, definitely where I put importance in life is the relationship. So, I mean, I, cause I love the adventure just as much as the next person, that type of freeing spirit. But I think that, uh, those personal relationships that are sincere and cannot be, you can't be let your, you know, basically his hubris and arrogance, you know, led him to getting into a position where he could not come back. Couldn't make yeah, it back. I totally agree. And, and, you know, cycling back to the soundtrack, Ed does such a great job because, you know, we're talking about these types of things and just the different songs. I mean, for example, in Long Nights, Ed has this lyric, when I'm alone, I'll be better off than I was before. And and I think, you know, as talking about the movie and talking about Chris, I mean, that's something that he came to believe. He's like, you know, I don't need people for anything. And just like what you were saying with Ron or even with uh, Jan and Rainey, the, the, two, uh, mm-hmm. the two hippies who were living in the van uh, and... You're exactly right. And this is something that I didn't recognize when I watched it when I was, you know, younger. Um yes. is I didn't really recognize the arrogance or the hubris or maybe just the um innocent ignorance, if if that makes sense, of, you know, he's just maybe not aware that, you know, you really do need people and people aren't inherently bad. You know, people can help yeah. you. And I think the one commonality I mean, five five great you right. know, the people exactly. that I mean, they, even their though, interactions were great. Like it's amazing yeah. that he could keep them away yeah even vince vaughn's character wayne yeah. westerberg the, the the manual labor man and i think the one commonality with all of these people that he meets he is so eager to educate them on his enlightenment and to share his enlightenment with them yes but when it when it tries to occur the other way around when they try to share yes. their wisdom or their experiences with him he is completely closed off for example you know jan and rainy trying to feed him and maybe give him you know certain items of clothing or money and he's like nope don't need that. Ron wanting to shelter him and take him into his family. And he's like, no, we'll talk about this when I get back from Alaska. And he's just he like, it's just as if he's saying, he's like, no, you don't get it. But chances are with their wisdom and their life experiences. I mean, these are people that yeah. did not live easy lives. You know, they've, they have experiences and they've learned and they've loved and lost. And, you know, they just see Chris for what he really was, which is just an, you know, an innocent kid that's going to about to be way over his head. Yeah. And I think, so in the Ron, I mean, he went in that interaction where they're on the hill and, and the candles is at the top and he's at the bottom. And he's like, oh, you know, he's like, he's like, you need to get out there. You can't just sit on your butt. And Ron's like, are you kidding me? And he gets up and climbs to the top of the hill and does exactly what McCandless is asking. And like, it's this great moment. And then like when he asks him to just, you know, just carry my name for me when you go on this trip, you know, like. He's still, he's, uh, you know, dropping him off and allowing him to go. He's like, just carry my name. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. And, and that's like the, you know, he was 20, 23, I believe. That was like, I don't know how long, or 24. He was 23 at the time. Yeah, 23 yeah. when he left. So and I think that goes to the, the young, um, you know, the arrogance involved. And, and I, I think that I'm not that much older than that. But looking back, I know that I had similar, I have similar um, traits. And I've been in that, you know, that position where you think, you know, you know best. And, um, you know, I think, uh, a, a really good, a really good quote or a really good question I have is like, when you have people that are so risky in life and live on the edge like that. And so like, who does it hurt more? So McCandless, when he passes, like the agony that you leave in the people behind that have to, that survive you 
is so great. And it's not something that they ask for or, you know, like when you meet somebody and you interact and they're, and they live their life to this, in this, um, arena that something could happen. Like you accidentally could leave them very hurt and very distraught. And that's like, who do you think is hurt more in a situation like this? Like, yeah, I think, you know, I think everybody hurts and also something, you know, with, with this situation or somebody that, you know, is, is adventurous to the point of recklessness or is, you know, proud to the point of hubris or what, whatever you may have, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's really their fault because I think that's kind of human nature. I think, you know, even, I think everybody goes through phases of, you know, adventurousness, recklessness, exploration. You know, I think there's just different, you know, extremities of that, whereas somebody may be inclined to take it a little bit further, whereas, you know, that, that you know, inner calling that Chris had to, to go out there, you know, is a lot stronger than what, you know, you or I may have had, where it's like, wow, there really is more out there. You know, we didn't burn our social security cards, burn all of our money and, you know, take our car and head west. You know, we, you explore it in different ways. I just think and that's what's really changed for me about, you know, the viewing of, of this film, of this story, of this book, and even of the soundtrack, is it's become just a tragic story for me. And I think, you know, at the beginning, it's like Chris is this, you know, I kind of lauded him as this heroic figure, but now it's just, it's just tragic. But I don't really place blame with him because I think it's something that we can all relate to. And I think it's just, just part of human nature. You come up in a controlled environment eventually you're going to want to spread your wings a little bit. And I think that manifests itself very differently. It's just tragic for all involved, especially, you know, for him, his family, those who interacted with him along the way. Um, and um, one of the lyrics, one of the more popular songs on the soundtrack is society. Um, and, yeah. um, you know, society or crazy breed. I hope you're not lonely without me. And, and, you know, when I hear that at the beginning, you know, when I was younger, when I heard it, I was like, yeah, like, Nope. Sorry, like I'm leaving, like screw you yeah. society. But at the end, of, like now I listen to that and that sounds like that's coming from somebody that wants society to miss them and wants them to be lonely without them. It's like that last, it's like when you, when someone breaks up with you, it's like, oh, like I hope, you know, I hope, I hope you find what you're looking for. But you, you don't hope that because you're just trying to tell them it's right here, you know? Um, and, yeah. I, and I think, I think with that, it's like, I hope you're not lonely without me. It's like, wow, like I really hope you are because I really on some level want to continue to be a part of it and and want to you know be around people and it's like that final quote at the end of the movie or towards the end of the movie happiness yeah. is only real when shared and yep. i think I there's about, so much to truth that to that and and you know you ebb and flow and it goes back to one of my favorite kind of philosophical um you know points of discussion and thought is the line between solitude and isolation yep exactly i almost brought it up earlier yeah, I mean, I know we've had a lot of conversations over the years about that. And, you know, the same situation can, can bring feelings of solitude or it can bring feelings of isolation. And for me, that's what this story is about. It's you search solitude, and when hard times hit, you know, it becomes, you know, isolation. And, and I think going back to the people that he met, I think, you know, McCandless needed them more than he would ever let on. Yeah, you know? and like you said, I mean, solitude is is healthy. Solitude is good. And, and it's necessary. Like I, yeah. And I understand seeking solitude and being able to be okay and be able to be happy by oneself is, is very important or being able to be productive, um, in a way, but you know, isolation, like, you know, when he leaves, um, when he gets up to leave, like he's trying to leave, like do an Irish goodbye to France. Like mm -hmm. he's, he's trying to not say goodbye. And I'm like, how is that even with his thinking? And like, cause he, 
He's like, why is there so much hurt in the world? Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't be sincere with all, like, and be very, you know, thankful and kind of up, um, you know, and just eager to be loving towards the people that has helped him on the way. So, yeah, I agree. I think he overlooked the importance of the people. And I think, you know, I, sometimes I feel that way. Um, being out here, moving away. I, I think I've said it to you a lot because people ask if I'm going to move home, which was back in Pennsylvania. And I, I feel like, I mean, I have to, if I, I have a very, I have a loving family and people that want to be around me, I feel very selfish um, moving away and doing my own thing. And it, you know, you, sometimes you can feel very selfish when there are people that are, um, that are there for you and you don't, you know, it seems sometimes it seems like you don't reciprocate it. Um, in the same capacity, because like I said, I mean, it's like very philosophic, but like, what do you, what, what is important in life? And those relationships are, I think in, uh, you know, a pillar, just super, super critical to a happy life. And I do think that happiness is only real and shared. I mean, there's, you know, in the grand scheme, I, of course you can be, have find find happiness by yourself, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's something, you know, like we were saying is, you know, we all go through those stages, you know, and, and I think if anything, this is this story and the soundtrack is just a, you know, a lesson in the importance of gratitude and, and a lesson in the importance of, you know, of people. And I think, you know, in terms of songs that really encapsulate the entirety of this story from start to finish, and you know, we were talking a little bit at the beginning where, you know, the album kind of builds and it's like, you know, the beginning half of the album and the soundtrack kind of speak to the first half of the exploration and then you get into the isolation with you know songs like the end of the road the wolf but i think one that really encapsulates the entirety of the situation the complexities in it is guaranteed um mm-hmm. you know it's like don't come closer or i'll have to go which is you know exactly yeah. the the first part where it's like i feel exactly like i'm being it. suffocated i need to get out there but then he moves on if there was ever someone to keep me at home, it would be you. So that's, you know, it's directly followed by one, by that saying, it's like, well, don't come closer, but you know, if someone's going to keep me home, it's you. So it's like that internal war of like, you know, I, I have to be myself. I have to get out there. I have to, you know, free myself from the situation. But at the same time, like, I know you're important to me. And like, you know, if you, if you're, if, if, if you're important enough, you know, to me for, to keep me at home, Obviously, if I leave, you know, I'm going to miss that part that I leave behind. Um, and I just think that's that song for me shines through on this soundtrack because it does such a good job of just encapsulating mm-hmm. everything, you know. And it's, I knew all the rules, but the rules do not know me. Yeah. You know, I, that's I, a really good lyric. Don't come closer or I'll have to go. And that's exactly, it's it almost like. And you kind of interact with people like that through life where it's almost like when you're getting too close and you're getting too connected that they're like, all right, time to go. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't be invested like this because. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just a paradox, you know, another line from that song, they think of me in my wandering, but I'm never what they thought. It's like, you know, they're, they're two completely different reasons where if you were to ask me why I'm wandering or you were to ask someone close to me, you know, why is he wandering? You know, they'll give you two different reasons that are probably at opposite ends, ends of the spectrum. And I think, that's some. That's why this story has been so fascinating to me, and, and you know why I've enjoyed the soundtrack so much is because mm-hmm. it, it's a perfect encapsulation of that paradox. And and I think as you know, I've gotten older, and you know, I, I think about different things. I mean, paradoxes are everywhere, and and some of the most fascinating things for me to think about how 
you know, based off of your perception, the same situation can be interpreted in two completely different manners. And, yeah. uh, and I think that's exactly what this was, you know, for, you know, if you want to compare and contrast, you know, Chris's view of this or like his sister's view of this, or even Chris's view right. of this at the beginning when he was driving out West and Chris's view at the end when he was at, on yes. the magic bus, um, in, uh, in Alaska, you know, they're directly at odds with one another, yet they're the same situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think, and leave, um, leave it to Eddie Vedder to, you know, perfectly wrap that up, you know, in a song. Oh yeah, he he did a beautiful job, and 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 the nice part of you know the movie was it fits great because there's not you know it's I mean obviously it's a solo expedition and there is interaction, but most of the movie is him and his like his solo. So there's not a lot of like dialogue mm-hmm. for a two and a half hour movie. There's not a lot of dialogue, and that's why the soundtrack is so important because it takes the place of other people of people talking and people. So and Eddie Vedder was tasked with that, and he did an excellent job. And I remember he t- you know. He, I mean, Penn didn't really give him much of guidelines. He just asked him to, um, to be the interior voice for the movie. And Vetter said that he had to work quick and he did it. He did it all. It just kind of came to him. And like he said, he doesn't even remember. He like blacked out for like three days and just, and just was up late writing and, and just produced some beautiful, you know, just beautiful compositions and great guitar work to, to be out, you know, to yeah. re- resemble the wilderness. And I love it. Yeah, he he sure did. And I mean, even going back to the movie, I mean, some of those performances, first of all, you know, Emil Hirsch as Chris McCandless, that was a fantastic performance. But the actor who played Ron France, his name was Hal Holbrook. And unfortunately, uh, Hal passed away, I believe, uh, last month or maybe in April. I mean, he was just incredible in this role. He was nominated for a few different awards just based off of this role, which really speaks to how powerful his portrayal was because he really wasn't on screen for that long. No, it was like a twenty-minute, thirty-minute stint, probably at most. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I, I know it was you that was. Him. I mean, that was the most. That, I mean, that was easily the most uh, hardest. I mean, I, that that was so frustrating for me to watch. You know, watch him deny him. Yeah, watch McCandless deny him. I I totally agree. And you know, even the portrayals of uh, Jan and Rainey, those two, uh, the the two hippies on the road. Um, Jan was played great. by Catherine Keener, who's you know one of my one of my favorite actresses. She kind of pops up in everything. She's she's a great actress, but um, I mean, just a fantastically done movie. And and I think sometimes we forget, um, you know, even in the course of this conversation, I forget. It's like you know, Chris McCandless was a real person with a real family, and yeah. you know, it must be hard for, um, you know, the family, uh, you know, and the yeah. friends to you know, have this story out in public view now, or maybe you know people interpret it in a certain way that they don't feel is correct or that's why going back to what we were talking about at the beginning it must be so challenging you know as a as a writer or as a you know a, a producer or director to you know really get a historical story correct um and even even as a musician when you're you know making the soundtrack to get it correct and to capture you know capture the complexities of it and you know i think i think ed sure did that um, speaking of the soundtrack, um, do you have any uh, any any songs in particular that pop out to you uh, that you're a particular fan of, or you know that kind of uh, add some value yeah. for you? I mean, I I mean, Guarantee is a great one, and and I really do like Society, but I think that the one that we really love, and I just think is a it's just like one of those quintessential soundtrack songs is going to be hard sun yeah and i've got and some just fun facts about hard sun um so yeah. i didn't learn this until a good bit later after 
hearing Eddie Vedder's version. It's actually a cover. So it was originally written and and uh, and it was originally released uh, by Gordon Peterson, who's I believe a Canadian artist who who uh, releases under the name Indio, and it came out in 1989. And a fun fact about the song is that in 2009, uh, Mr. Peterson sued Eddie Vedder um, over oh, over, yes, over this, this song because um, I believe in court um, uh, Peterson contended that the song was a poem, and because Eddie Vedder changed some of the words of the of of the song you know the poem that he you know quote unquote pillaged the sanctity of the poem and pillaged the meaning of it um i don't know what happened in that lawsuit um but you know i've listened to both versions i'm very biased but for me eddie vedder's is the quintessential version i don't think that's a surprise but i mean yeah that that song it's for just me, the, like the the big like the drum to do yeah yeah exactly it's it has the perfect it comes on I think twice in the movie like we talked about right when he sets off north and or northwest and then at mm-hmm. the end when like the closing scene when it's all said and done and it's like the big hard sun and then you know I I, I think that you know you know the sun coming up in the east and setting in the west is very it's something you can count on and and it's like the hard sun it's one thing that like it it just continues it's always there you know, it's always there and I think that's um, you know, it's a it's a theme within the movie, you know, like him like leaving society and, and being his own thing and, and at the end of it, like it's a very it's it's a, it's a small story that we've all kind of been experienced, then there's a bigger plot there's a bigger plot that I think the hard sun like Yeah, and uh, exactly like the lyrics yeah, yeah, the lyrics up, I think I do. Um you know like when I walk beside her I am the better man. When I look to leave her I always stagger back again. I, I mean, it's just the opening lyrics, and it's just great. It's like when you when you think you know better, and then you come back to something, and yeah, and and that's something. What you were just saying earlier about how it's a certainty, you know, the sun is always going to rise, it's going to set, and it'll be here the next morning, and, it, and it's just a constant. And in in this story, you know, nature in the wilderness is a constant, and yes. uh, you know, regardless of what happens to us, I mean, we are absolutely infinitesimal when it comes to comparing, you know, us with nature. And, you know, you talk about this story, this heroic trip, you know, this heroic trip to Alaska and, you know, the triumphs along the way and the tragedies and and the ultimate death. It's like the end of the day, nature is still there. You know, nature doesn't know that we were there. Nature's not going to know that we're gone. Um, And and that ties in for me exactly with uh, the song towards the end of the album, End of the Road, which is one of my favorites. I think there's only one or two verses on that, but it's like, Mm -hmm. you know. It all begins at the end of the road. We come and go. It's so it's like you know we're coming and going all the time. But there's some things that are constant and some things that are unchanged. And you know nature is unchanged. And I also think something that's unchanged is humanity's desire to you know free themselves and and go out and explore. Um, but yeah, Hard Sun's a perfect song for that. You know it's like it's always there, beating on the big people in the big hard world. Yeah. Um. I think going back to the, uh, I think there's there's a good quote from Mechanicus's um, dad, and that I think kind of comes back, and and there's a, there's a transformation that's really important that that shows up at the end of the the end of the story, where Mechanicus is there's a realization and there's an understanding, not that he was wrong, but that maybe he put um, he he didn't put the value that he needed into certain things, and but I think that like going with the society, like I hope you're not lonely without me. His dad said that, you know, 
you know, McCandless, he didn't, he didn't want to burn down the building. He just dismissed it, you know, and he wasn't trying to change things. He just didn't just separate himself and be away from it. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's an important distinction. There's, and like in the, in his journey that he was not trying to, I mean, of course he shared his opinions, but he was really just trying to have his own, his own way and try and move. Yeah. And, and, and in a lot of ways, it's like, a lot of the actions that we do are for us and they're not meant to, you know, hurt anybody else. And, you know, that's just a, you know, the collateral damage is just another certainty of life. It's like anything that you do is going to impact other people. But I think a lot of times, you know, people don't take action, you know, really thinking about that or, you know, because of that, you know, and just like this, like, I don't think, uh, I don't think it was like, Hey, I'm going to go West to motherfuck my family. It's, you know, Hey, I'm going to go West because, I'm doing this for me. I want to explore, you know, I want to, I want to go out and and live according to how I would like to live. And yeah, I think, I think that's exactly, uh, you know, that's, that's portrayed really well. Uh, Another song for me that kind of pops out is rise. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I don't really know what it means or how to explain it, but I just love the line going to rise up, find my direction magnetically. Um, And that was perfect for me, you know, and I think it was played in the movie as, you know, as he was heading West and it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to find, find wherever I need to go. It's not, you know, I don't need anyone else's help. I'm just going to do what's best for me. Um, and, and, and that song, you know, the, the whole vibe of the, of, of the soundtrack from Ed, you know, is like just folk singer songwriter esque, which is yeah. not something that he had really done a whole lot in Pearl Jam really, obviously. No. I mean, there's no, not really any electric guitar going on. It's a lot of, you know, there's some ukulele, there's some, you know, obviously acoustic guitar, um, and even, you know, a little bit further down in the soundtrack, uh, Tuolumne, um, the instrumental song, that actually, so he wrote that in 2007 for Into the Wild. That little um, g- phrasing on the the guitar that he did for Tuolumne directly inspired Just, Just Breathe um, off of the Backspacer yes. album, which came out in 2009, which if you listen to them right back to back, it's it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I was, yeah. Yeah, they're virtually identical, but that that's another one that I really really enjoy. Um yeah, at the end of the and I was saying the transformation I just wanted to um say one more thing cuz yeah. you know, he left that he left that um the cardboard cutout or that whatever he or the piece of wood that he wrote and he said, you know, I have had a happy life and thank the Lord goodbye and may God bless all and and then like Sean the Sean Penn was talking about how you know, within the footnotes of his books and the the picture that very intentional picture that he took and left, like he was in he was in a very good spot when he he passed. He had I feel like he fa- he found what he was looking for and and I think that there's something that you know we haven't experienced is like when you know your time is coming and I think this happens with people that are older that you know there there is a a deadline to their life and they can see it coming and you have your life flash before your eyes and I think that. Um, or I, I, I want to believe, and I do that he had that those experiences coming at the end, and you know, like it's not that his his journey was a mistake because it it wasn't, but you know, he could have put value in certain ways, but he had a very important re- realization and and comforting um, moments um, in the end, and I think that journey was complete for him, and that he set out and he set out for something. And he achieved it. I mean, he he achieved his goal of going out there and finding, um, you know, meaning or finding just, you know, 
really forcing just learning. him to forcing him to understand what is the most important. Yeah. And, and all the learnings. And, and I think that, you know, maybe he was blocked off a few times when it was like really going well, but, um, you know, it's pretty real at the end. So I, I, I like to think that he achieved what he was looking for. Yeah. And, and, and the weird thing to think about is, you know, how tragic it was for him and, you know, the fact that that was the end for him. But, you know, I mean, in terms of, I think the word legacy gets thrown around a lot, but I mean, he really yeah. does leave a legacy in the sense that, I mean, we're talking about it right now. I mean, I don't even know how much the film grossed, how many copies of the book were sold, the soundtrack, et cetera. Like I mean, there's a lot million. of people who are, who are aware of this now and, and maybe, you know, through, you know, these different pieces of media have maybe learned themselves or, you know, thought themselves, you know, about these different concepts that we were talking about. And, you know, I think that's always a really valuable thing is, you know, if you can learn from, from different experiences that other people have had, you know, there's always things to be learned and, um, you know, particularly through, through struggle and, and, you know, unfortunately through tragedy, I think there's always, there's always, uh, things to learn. And, and certainly, uh, this movie, this book, this soundtrack, this story, have been very thought provoking for me, you know, ever since I was first, uh, first cognizant of them. Yeah. yeah it's a great one. It's on Netflix. If do you, you, think, uh, uh, you haven't, haven't, haven't watched it. Yeah. So do you think that, uh, Eddie Vedder, so like, would you say that he was the best person to write this album? Could you see anybody else possibly doing this or you no? Know, why do you think Eddie, why was he so good for it? Because it feels like it was always meant to be. It was perfect. Is there any way you can think of or any, any um, thoughts on that? Well, uh, he was perfect for it because he was Eddie Vedder. And Eddie Vedder, yeah. it's very hard for him to do a bad job at anything. I mean, I, I'm sure there could have been other people to do it. There's a lot of really, really great um, voices, not in terms of singing, but voices in terms of you know just people and their ability to portray things. There's a lot of great voices out there. Um I'm sure somebody else would have been able to, to do it, but I mean, it's special to me because it's Eddie Vedder and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of his, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just the way that he was able to kind of insert in himself into the story, you know, and really kind of go to a place probably where he could feel those emotions. Um, yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts? Are you, uh, are you pissed off that Eddie Vedder did it or? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Eddie, Eddie did. I mean, it's just perfect. It makes yeah. so much sense. You almost, it just, yeah, it just makes so much sense. I will and say, I, I was, don't, I don't think it's something that he could have done in 1992, for example. Yeah, I, that's I, a good point. Yeah. I think as you get older, um, and and I've heard songwriters um, say that before, where you know they've they've done a version of someone else's song, and they've been like, you know what, when I was first starting out, I don't think I had the perspective, you know, life perspective to, right. to sing this song. So I, I, I think that's yeah, and something. I think he. Yeah, I think he under he has a very obviously a very unique journey and all that he's done, and I think that came out in the. It's not this, you know, it's not the same journey as McCandless, but it has a lot of the same, you know, awakenings and yeah, realizations. I'm and, sure, and, and leaving yeah. and and kind of relying on yourself. Yeah, a lot of times I would say. I mean, like I know I I always it's kind of fun to think about who. It's always like you ever hear those stories of like, oh yeah, like uh, you know. Chris Farley was actually interviewed for, uh, I don't know, there's like a few, like one of the Adam Sandler plots, or I don't mm. know, there's like a bunch of actors that always, you know, interview for the oh, position that don't yeah. get it. And yeah. you're like, 
like how could that yeah, be? Yeah, it's like that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, Whereas I think it was before, like in the office, like all the people that interviewed for Jim, and there's some high profile people, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, like I yeah. couldn't even imagine the the movie with that person in it. Yeah. So it's always hard, like look like revisionists like this. Oh, but totally. I, mean, I would love to thing. see. You know, I bet you like Towns Van Zant could have did an incredible yeah. soundtrack, obviously, yeah, or like Kurt Vile and John Prine. Oh, hundred uh, percent. And it's like so funny. We were we were talking about this exact same thing last week, where we were like, somebody asked us if uh, you know what right. Lane Staley would have been like an exactly. audio slave, and it's like it's kind of hard to think about. Um, and you're exactly right. I mean, we've all heard those stories of like, oh, like this person auditioned for this role, and it's like I could never see them in that role. Especially um, like you take so I, I think I'm not exactly sure, but just imagine say uh, Christian Bale, like he auditioned for Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Like you can't think of Iron Man without thinking of Robert Downey Jr. There's just right. no one else that fits that role. Mm-hmm. Or like if you think like, or like, oh yeah, Johnny Depp was going to be Iron Man, and you're like, oh, I could see it, but like, the, nah, like Ronnie, Robert Downey Jr. is the only person that can be Iron Man. It's like when it's given the, the opportunity, always- the best will always inhabit that role. Um, and I think you know, Eddie Vedder was given the opportunity, and then it became unapologetically his. You know, to the point that we couldn't, um, we couldn't even fathom someone else doing it. Whereas I'm sure, like. You know, if uh, John Prine or somebody had done it, I'm sure we'd feel the same way. You're right, um, right, right. You know, and it's 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 always funny to think about because it's like, yeah, we would never know that other reality where we're not no. biased about it. <laughs> it is on. It is. That's kinda, like um, uh, that's like if um if if Andrew Wood had never passed away and Mother Love Bone became the biggest rock band on the planet and Bad Radio yeah. and Eddie Vedder became this this little band that was doing shows you know up and down the the west coast and, it's and, like, and kurt never died and, and foo fighters was never a thing right, exactly and, like you'd never know like you would have been like i could never imagine the drummer of nirvana like, fronting yeah. a band and singing and playing guitar <laughs> like what the hell <laughs> you know it's just, it's it, it's so funny how you know history creates what it does and it doesn't create what it doesn't create and it's just it's it's that powerful in the emotion that it that it gives us that it's impossible to think of things happening happening another way do you uh do you believe that uh, everything happens for a reason, Chris? No, I, I do not believe that everything happens for a reason. You don't? Okay. Do you? I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I like say... I like to I like to just like we're talking about now. I like to when things happen. I like to uh, kind of hold on and and find comfort that it it did happen for a reason. And there's there's I always find a silver lining in things. Yeah, I I don't believe that things happen for a reason. I I think things happen because <laughs> um you know people decide things because things um, happen but but i also think like the way the way that i find you know hope because i don't believe everything happens for a reason i think a lot of things are bullshit and i don't think there's, there's a lot of bad things that happen that i don't believe you can find a legitimate reason for but i think the one thing that kind of sustains me is that okay not everything will happen for a reason most things there's some things that don't happen for any reason but there's always something you can learn from the things that do happen so for me that's the angle that i take towards that conversation but um yeah, I, I don't know. I've I, I used to believe that everything happens for a reason. I don't know when I stopped, but Yeah. Yeah, I just think that <clears throat> I think that, I think too many things are accidental. Yeah. But good and bad, I guess. It's just like I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to, I yeah. guess it's hard I mean, to really formulate the, a right or wrong answer. Right, yeah, like, why nobody, bad, knows, why bad, nobody knows I mean, why do bad things happen to good people is like exactly. the hardest question to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, yeah, yeah, I guess there's a lot of ways to cut it. But 
Absolutely. With that being said, I do think that this podcast happened for a reason. Oh yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a, a really good conversation. And, um, and, you know, I think it's important to think about these things and, and think about some harder questions and just like, and the journey that you're on. So if you're a young 20 year old, uh, like us, um, things are always changing and it's, it's, it's fun to know that the, the journey is never linear and that there's always, there's always learning to be had. So absolutely time for song, song of the week. I think it is time for song of the week. So we just jump right over. I think we jump right on over to song of the week. Ethan, do you have a, uh, you have one picked out? I do. I do. I have one. I posted it as a story and I asked if anybody knew what oh, the hell I was talking okay. about. <laughs> and it is three little pigs by green jello. <laughs> now have, have you listened to the song, Chris? When I put it up there by chance. Full disclosure, I have not listened to the song, but I, I I know that a lot of people knew what was up. So I I was at work one day, and I and we have this guy that works um, the machines. He works like the the bobcats and whatnot. But he's like, you ever heard of a green Jello or green jelly? And I was like, no, I had no idea. So he showed me, and it's like it's like this comedic. It's like it's a rock band who they first. Um, tagged themselves as when they were like a low level, they tagged themselves as the worst live band ever in, in order like to Primus-esque get Primus esque of like, Hey, we're Primus and we suck. Just wait, wait for the catch. So it's the, the, they had the song called three little pigs and it's about, you know, three little pigs went to the market and it's like a play on, they do a lot of play on like old folk stories and they make mm-hmm. it into like heavy metal, like rock. And it's like really I crude love this already. It's really crude and, and like whatnot. And Guess who's in the band? It was a 1992 band. So originally they were Green Jelly. I mean Green Jello, but they got sued or they're getting sued, so they changed it to Green Jelly with like the two dots. So it's pronounced Green Jello, but it's yeah. spelled differently. Oh my god! Did the Jello Corporation not like what they were doing? Huh? Yes. Oh my apparently. god! Those bastards. <laughs> um. So the band consists of. It's it's a combination. Let me get the names right. The names of the main guy. So the main, the lead singer to the band is Bill Manspeaker. He's the one who started it. But okay. the secondary singer is Maynard James Keenan, <laughs> and it's Danny Carey on the jump. So it's it's no way. Uh, members members from Tool and then uh, Guar also. If that you know who Guar is, fantastic. Yeah. So I was like, it's some old some old Tool stuff, and it's very like it's definitely some MJK you know inspired stuff. So it's just really crazy music. So. Take a listen to it. It's I absolutely fun. love that green green jello. Yep. All right, your turn, Chris. Okay, my song of the week. Um, so I'll preface this by saying I think one of the bigger mistakes that I made when it came to music the last four or five years is I I had the inclination to just disregard and not respect pop music. You know, whatever pop music may be, but there's actually there's some good stuff out there. My song of the week right now. For the purists out there, it might ruffle some feathers because it's, you know, a little left of, uh, you know, out of left field from what we normally discuss. But my song of the week is Brutal by Olivia Rodrigo, who, by the way, is a follower of Grudge Bible. So, no way. Yeah, so she just released her first album, Sour, I think like a, a month ago or so. And um, I'm not super in tune with the pop world, but my understanding is that it's a really, really big record, and you know she's gonna like skyrocket yeah. to the moon like Dogecoin. Um, so, this is the first song off of the album, and it's just 
I don't know. I just think it's like a clever song. So basically, it's just about you know being disenchanted with um like your teenage years when everybody else is telling you that's like hey like this is going to be really exciting and it's just like you know what like this isn't all it's cracked up to be it's pretty brutal it sucks um my, my favorite line in the song is like um i'm not cool and i'm not smart and i can't even parallel park and like it's not like it's not anything exciting <laughs> i think it's just clever and it's a that's good no beat. it's the wild it's, no it's really easy to listen to and i just thought it was funny um, but I, I liked the album and, and definitely as I've gotten, you know, the last couple of months, I've certainly paid more attention to pop music. Um, and I've listened to more of it. And, um, I think, I think it is certified good music. Um, so that is my song of the week. Uh, I never, I never knew that, uh, an 18 year old pop star would be discussed on, uh, on grunge Bible, but here we are. Hey man, that's okay. I remember hearing, uh, driver's license like right when it came out before it yep. before it exploded yeah and just you intrinsically like oh yeah this is this is gonna blow up this She's is really talented. good like, and, it, like and it just it factor it that she she has it yeah to be successful yeah i mean and that that's a well that's a well composed song so i'm sure that i'm sure that this song is also going to be really well so i'm looking i'll, I'll give it a listen oh, yeah, i can't I, wait i i enjoy it i mean i enjoyed the album from top to bottom i think a lot of times people discount um pop artists for a few reasons one, they can discount them because it's pop. Number two, they can discount them because they might be young. And I think a lot of times people discount them because it might be coming from a woman. Um, so I think, you know, that's the trifecta going on right here. And a lot of people are like, oh, like that sucks. There's nothing to it. But I don't know. I mean, you, you can certain you can find value in anything. And uh, I, I am a fan. So uh, mark it down in the record books. That uh, That's my song of the week. And, and I enjoy and it. She's a fan of us. So and she's a fan of us. So see, it's mutual there. Mutual yeah, understanding. It is completely mutual, and we're definitely as well, famous as she is. Yeah, we'll tag her uh, when we I'll put on our story, and we'll tag her. Maybe she'll uh, see it, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe she'll be a guest for episode 14. We can talk yeah, about Audio yeah. Slave with her or something. <laughs> That'd be incredible. <laughs> Absolutely. She'd be like, who is that? Yeah, it's like, who the hell is going on here? But I think that just about does it for this episode. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking into the wild. Eddie Vedder... Um, but anyways, if you're still with us, thank you so much for listening. As you as you know by now, uh, we really appreciate your support. And if you're looking to find other ways to support us, uh, you can head over to grungebible.com for a couple of different links. Uh, first and foremost, our Patreon page is linked there. Uh, that's the most direct way to support us. Additionally, we have merchandise for sale, which can also be found via links on Grunge Bible. And if you're listening to this, whatever streaming platform you are streaming us on, it would be fantastic if you could like that, subscribe, follow, whatever the correct terminology is for that platform. Go and do that. That would be awesome. We would really appreciate that. It helps us out a bunch. Um, and yeah, we are just so thankful that you guys are listening to us. Um, episode 13 is coming to a close. It's no accident. We've got a hang. We've got we've got the hang of this now, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep on turning them out as long as you guys keep enjoying them. Yeah. Thanks again. Keep us uh, keep us playing in your ears. We'll do our best to keep giving you good content. If you guys have any suggestions, we're always welcome. This was a uh, this episode was a fan request. We got a good email, and somebody said I would love for you to talk about this uh, movie and album. And I said that's a way better idea than what I've come up with. So uh, I was like, hell yeah, I was like, not a problem. So yeah, shoot us over an email with some ideas, and uh, we'll get to them. And uh, yeah, Chris, great job. That was awesome. Yeah, it was thanks a lot for of fun listening, everybody. Down with you today. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, thanks for checking us out, and we will talk to you guys next week on episode fourteen. 
All right, baby. Rock and roll. Thank you. Rock and roll. Take care, everybody. We'll see you later. Bye.